You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28. And as you do that... Uh, I'll bring up, uh, last time I preached, I preached uh, on February 20th. Remember? Yeah, yeah okay, good. Brother Jeremy's like, yeah. Uh, remember, remember uh, I preached here on February 20th. I had to remind myself of that also, of the date. Um, I do remember preaching, but I don't remember my, what day that was. Um, and if you remember, if you recall, uh, I preached about faithfulness. Remember that? Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, me too. Um, I didn't have to look at my notes to remind myself at all. I remembered perfect. Uh, But I preached about faithfulness. I preached about God's faithfulness towards us as his people. Um, And that thought, I'm going to continue that thought a little bit and kind of, but other side of the coin, and talk today about our faithfulness uh, that he desires from us. So if you have Proverbs 28, you can stand with me. Proverbs chapter 28, we're going to read just verse number 20. And I'll pray and then we'll have you be seated. Proverbs 28, verse number 20, the Bible says, A faithful man shall abound with blessing, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for uh, Sunday. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the people that are here, Lord. Thank you for the fellowship uh, and the commonality we have in your son, Lord. Thank you for a place we can come and sing about you, sing about your blood, the things that you've done for us, reminders for us in this world that it's not where we are forever, it's just where we're passing through and that the things that we do here matter in eternity. Lord, I pray that you'll help this time that we take your word and, and talk about truth, Lord, that it'll be applied to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you help me as I speak, help my mind to be clear, uh, to say the things that would be worth saying, things that you would want me to say. Pray that you help us to have open ears and open hearts to hear your word preached today. Lord, I pray that you be with our pastor and family as they're away. Give them blessing. Keep them safe. Help them to be a blessing to those around them. We love you and thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So as I mentioned last, last time, I talked about uh, the Lord's faithfulness to us and how it never ends. It's a constant, it, uh, and Pastor touched on it even on Wednesday night this last week, which, plug for Wednesday nights, if you're not here Wednesday nights, I would, I would recommend very highly being here Wednesday nights. He talked about how God is so faithful to us that he loves us the same. He loves us more than you can ever imagine. He loves you no matter how good or how bad you are. Once, he just loves you. And he is faithful to love you and to, to, to care about you so much that he sent his son to die for you so that you don't have to spend eternity in hell. And I mentioned eternity uh, earlier this morning, and we're going to get to that as well. The perspective of eternity will change our perspective on the temporal. When eternity is your perspective, when, when you understand that when you die, which we all, that happens to everybody, right? No one, no one gets away from that. Everybody dies. Um, it's, it's, it's just the way it is. We, we all die. And, and uh, un, unlike some people might think, that's just it. That's the end. You die, it's over. Uh, the Bible tells us that is not true. 
Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, it really that's where everything kind of begins for us. The amount of time we spend here on earth is very, very small compared to forever. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's sometimes it's hard for our brains to wrap around that. Um, and it's hard for our lives to live that way because things in this life are just really important. Right? Things in life are important and they're everything to us because we're in this life right now. And if we're not careful, our perspective can be that everything now is all that matters. And we live for even just today, not even thinking about tomorrow or next year. But our faithfulness towards God is something that's important, as we just read here in, in Proverbs 28. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. And, and faithfulness comes with benefits, comes with blessings. The Lord wants to bless us. He wants to provide for us. He wants us to live the time on this earth. He wants us to live good lives. He wants us to be fulfilled and happy and to enjoy life. Uh, to live for Christ isn't, isn't to live without fun and live in this box that you're never allowed to leave with restrictions. To live with Christ is really freedom to live fully to your potential, to be all that Christ wants you to be. And the faithfulness, when we have that perspective, when we understand eternity, our faithfulness to him as Christians, it's essential. And, and unfortunately, we're humans and we struggle with faithfulness. We struggle with consistency. We struggle with uh, being who we're supposed to be all the time. Um, because we were human and we have sin and we live in a sin-cursed world and until the Lord comes back, we're going to struggle with those things. You're going to struggle with faithfulness. But the Lord does tell us that faithfulness is important to him. Uh, he shows us by his example towards us, but he also talks much about faithful men, faithfulness of his people in Scripture. And so that word faithful there just it means literal firmness, right? It's a firmness, a, a stability, a steadiness, trueness and we first apply that to our faithfulness to our lord right he again we mentioned or i mentioned earlier the lord jesus came and died for us he, gave, he sacrificed his life for our sin so we didn't have to pay for it that that really requires that requires a response right that action on his behalf requires a response from us as his creation and everyone is forced to make a choice you choose him or you choose to not take him, to take his gift. And eventually, ultimately, that ends in eternity somewhere. So that gift, that sacrifice demands a, a response for us. And his desire is for all of us to accept his gift, to, to believe what he did, to put our faith in him and trust him for our home in heaven for eternity. That's his hope. That's his desire. But not every human being does that. There have been millions and millions of human beings across all time that chose to reject the Lord. And regardless of what they believed while they were here on this earth, when their time here on this earth was done, the truth is revealed, regardless of our belief about it. And rejecting the Lord re results in eternity without him. And those that place their faith in him when they pass away for, I mean, think about it. We're in the year 2022, right? 2,000 years since zero, and then thousands of years before that. 1,000 years is a long time. I mean, America's only been around a couple hundred years. And we're like, oh, well, this, I've been here forever, my whole life. <laughs> right, 42 years, that's a long time, right? To, to these guys down here, uh, that's ancient, right? You know, bo okay, boomer. It's like, I'm 42, what do you mean, boomer? No one said to that to me, to be clear. But, you know, we feel like our life here is forever. And the younger you are, the longer life seems to be. And you just got your whole life ahead of you, and that's just forever. It, there's no end to it. And even as you get older... 
and you, you start having families and start you know, having mortgages and start having a career, and you still think, well, I've got time. I've got time to do things. Life is a long time you know, coming. I've many years. Even when you hit that, if, we, if we're given 72 years, right, then you hit that halfway point of 35, and you're like, well, the Bible does tell us, you know, 70-something or so. And people are living longer these days, but you're like, well, halfway, you know, you get to your mid-30s, you're like, okay, so if half of my life is gone, hmm, you, you kind of start thinking about it. Your perspective changes. And I imagine as you get older, you, you, you view life differently, don't you? You view life through a different lens in your 50s and your 60s and your 70s. And different things are important to you as you get older. Grass doesn't really matter as much anymore, right? And relationships matter. Things you've done for the Lord matter. Faithfulness matters. And again, God tells us that when he says blessings come to the faithful man. It's a blueprint, right? And we find God gives us blueprints on how to live our life, how to be blessed, how to have joy, how to be fulfilled God gives us plans. He doesn't just stick us out there and say, good luck. I say, I died for your sins, now do what you want. No, he gives us plans and, and blueprints on how to obtain those blessings, how to f- live a fulfilled life. And God always honors obedience. When you honor his word, he, he honors, or you obey his word, he honors it. Without fail, that's his faithfulness to us. It, take your Bibles, go a couple pages back to Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 6. Proverbs 20, verse 6, the Bible says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. A faithful man who can find. Most men will proclaim everyone their own goodness. We're, we're really good at uh, telling people how good we are or telling ourselves most of the time how good we are. We're good at justifying our faults. We're really good at finding other people's faults and helping them along, helping them grow as a human being helping them grow spiritually, giving advice. But for us, we, we're really good at overlooking the things that we maybe struggle with, the faults that we might have. But the Bible says we're really good at you know, proclaiming our own goodness. But to be faithful, which gives me a contrast that faithfulness and being good, quote-unquote, aren't necessarily the same thing. Right? Being good is, we can lie about that, being faithful And this implication is faithfulness towards God. And what does the Bible say about goodness? There is none righteous. No, not one. Kind of includes everybody. There's no, we're all sinners. We all fail. Even after being redeemed by Jesus' blood, we still live with a sinful nature, don't we? We still struggle with that sin. But faithfulness is something that we can give towards God by honoring him, by obeying him. You know, we can say, well, I love Jesus. Look it, I'm in church right now. What more do you want? I'm here. Sunday morning, you kidding me? So it's before noon, and it's a weekend, and I'm awake, and I'm in church. Good. I'm right here, good, in church, Sunday morning. I love Jesus. I'm pretty good, you know? Um, you know, you may not be able to tell about the way I live my life when I'm not out here. Maybe I don't have the best attitude all the time, but I'm still, again, I'm in church on a Sunday, on a weekend. Yeah, maybe I can get better at some things, but really, pretty good. And that's kind of our view of ourselves, and we give ourselves a pass often on a lot of things. But the Bible says, who can find a faithful man? Who can find a trustworthy person? One that does what God wants, even when we don't want to. 
faithful man that does what God commands, does what God would desire with their life, even when maybe it doesn't line up with what we want to do selfishly and pridefully. You know, oftentimes we, we, and we say this to young people at youth rallies and we, to prevent them from living the life they want to live, because as you get older, you see people that do that, or maybe you've done that, and it ends poorly, right? When you do things God's way, he honors it. When you do things the opposite way, chaos. Like, that's just, it's a rule. There's really no way around it. And so we tell our young people, don't, don't live life for yourself. Don't be selfish. Don't be prideful. Live life for the Lord. You want to be fulfilled and satisfied and happy? Live life for the Lord. And they hear, oh, no, go to Africa and be a missionary? I can't be happy there. And that's what they hear. And then we get adults, and maybe we even think that way a little bit. We're like, oh, man, if I live for the Lord and don't do anything, anything I want to do, I can't do anything that I want. And we show by that attitude our, our view of God is severely limited. As if God, serving God, is not fun. And doing what God wants is not enjoyable. Because why? Because we have sin in our life and we like sin. And we think if we can't have sin, well, we can't have fun. And what that is is just a lie of the devil. It's the lie that the devil told Eve. It's a lie that the devil tells even God's people today. So if we're to be faithful, if we're to be ones that do what God wants all the time, I think that's a desire we should all have as Christians, to want to be a faithful person, to be a faithful man or woman that honors God and lives our life here on this earth for him. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Just making sure you're awake. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. So now you have to go all the way to the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul here has been telling the church at Corinth. So a, a group of people just like us, a church body that was trying to live for the Lord, trying to reach people for him. And Paul is writing a letter to them, telling them uh, about himself and Apollos. And there were some arguments going on there in the church of Corinth, who was the leader, who they were following. And Paul was saying, look, it's not about the man, it's about the Lord that the men serve. Right? He's saying, it's, it's not us, it's not me, Paul, it's not Apollos that does all this work and you should follow us. It's, it's we do what God tells us to do and God is the one that does the work, God is the one that brings the blessings. And as we work together with the Lord, that's when we grow. That's when as a church we do what we're supposed to do. Our works and the way we live our life you know, they're going to be tried by fire, right? right? As a Christian, we, and I've, I've known people like this, they get saved and they get what they call their fire insurance, right? I'm saved. I'm no longer on my way to hell. I've accepted the Lord as my savior. Now I get to live my life the way I want to. And they just live life their way. They're saved. They're on the way to heaven. That can never change. You could be the worst person in the world after salvation. You still get to go to heaven because Jesus, when he died for you, he died for you once forever. It never goes away. God is faithful to us. He does not lie. He does not change his mind on that issue. But it's quite a miserable life to live if you live that way. But when we live our life for him here on this earth, it matters. And when the day comes, the day of judgment comes, the way you live your life is tried by fire. And if you want to be there holding things to present to your Lord, it matters how you live your life on this earth. You want to live your life for you? You can do that. God won't stop you from doing that. But when heaven comes and your works are tried by fire, you're not going to have anything to offer back to him. You'll be in heaven. You'll live eternally with him forever, but you'll have nothing to honor him with because of the life you lived here on this earth. And that's why it's so vital to be a faithful person, 
that lives our life for him here on this earth so that in eternity we have an opportunity to honor our Lord, to give him anything for what we do here on this earth. It's the things we do for him that matter, not the things that we do for us. So that brings us to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're just going to read a couple verses here and then I'm going to get to a couple points. Uh, Verse number 1 says, Let a man so account of us, this is Paul talking, as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. So Paul is saying here that, you know, it's what we do on this earth that matters, but it doesn't matter what you think about what I do. It doesn't even matter what I think about what I do. It matters what the Lord thinks about what I do. And we're required, right? He talks about here, there's an account to be given. Let man so account of us. There's an account to be given for the way you live your life. Every act you do, every word you say, every thought you have, good, evil, sinful, wicked, every thought that runs through your mind, every word that comes out of your mouth, Every action that you do, whether in secret or whether in public, you have to give an account of those things someday. And then and that when he talks about let, so, let, oh, let a man so account of us, it's to take inventory, to estimate, to conclude, think on. So as you consider your life, take inventory of where you're at. You've not arrived. None of us have. God doesn't expect perfection, but he expects us to be striving to grow spiritually So that account is to take account of where you are. Where is your life? Who are you living for? And, you know, honestly, if we just let ourselves coast and just be, we'll live for us. That's our default. Just default to me, default to sin, default to pride, default to selfishness. So it's an active thing you have to do. You have to, on purpose, live for the Lord. On purpose, live selflessly. It's, it's intentional, and if you aren't intentionally doing it, you're not doing it probably, because that's not our default. So we have to take an account. Why? Because we're ministers of Christ. We're like, well, I'm not pastor, I'm not preaching, I'm not a missionary, so that doesn't count for me. I'm not a minister of anything. The idea of that minister, it's, it's an idea of an oarsman. So, so think of a giant ship before motors, right? And they wanted to move a really big ship. They had oarsmen, people below deck pulling on the oars. Right? That minister idea is it's an idea of working together and as, as an oarsman, pulling in unison, going the same direction. If you, as a minister, are going the opposite direction, right? you're going backwards instead of forwards, your oars are going to be banging into other people's oars, you're going to make the boat go in a circle. Right? As a church, we're all ministers. We're all ministers of Christ, meaning it's your job as a Christian to further his kingdom. Not just pastor's job, not just Brother Samuel's job, not just the Sunday school teachers, not just the leadership. It's Christian's job to further the Lord's kingdom here on this earth. You're an oarsman, and when some of the oarsmen aren't oaring, rowing, that's not the verb for that, rowing, just making sure you're awake. If you're not oaring, you're not on the team. So oar. You've got to make sure you're rowing, right? If we had a big giant boat, we're all oarsmen, and only half of us decided to row, well, okay, we better split up on either side so we still go forward and not in a circle. And then two, those that are rowing are having to work twice as hard for those that aren't rowing. 
it's all our responsibilities. You want to be faithful man? Faithful woman? You want to have the blessings? You have to be an oarsman. You, you're not exempt. No one is exempt. Once you're saved, you're not exempt from rowing. You're part of the team. You're in God's family, and we are here for a reason. If it was just live until you die, why are you here this morning? To salve your conscience? Psh, don't do that. What a waste of life. We're here for a purpose. We're here to further his kingdom. So you have to be an oarsman. You have to row. So a faithful man rows. He's a minister. So get on board. Get your oar. Start rowing. Find a place to row. Doesn't matter how strong you are. Doesn't matter how much power you have behind your rowing. Just get out there and start rowing. Because that's our job. That's our response. That's what a faithful man does. And we're to be stewards. Stewards are the mysteries of God. And the mysteries of God there just means the gospel. What Jesus has done for us. We're supposed to be stewards of that. So if you're an oarsman, you're a faithful oarsman, you're going to be a steward, which means you're responsible for how things go. Right? God left us. When Jesus left, he left us at, with the responsibility to further his kingdom here on this earth. With the help of the Holy Spirit, with the help of his word, to further his kingdom. We're stewards of that. It means we're responsible for the spread of that gospel. And we're starting up uh, organized soul winning again here on the 14th on Saturday. That's tough for some people. I work a lot of Saturdays. It's hard for me to get off Saturdays. I'm going to do my best to try to be here. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm going to pray about it and, and ask the Lord to, to help work that out. I honestly don't know how it's going to work out because I work Saturdays. Like, and my, I, I, it's really hard for me not to be there. And I don't know how the Lord is going to work that out, but I've asked him to help me be here when we have organized soul winning. Now, that doesn't mean that if I, I'm not able to be here, then I just don't have to tell anybody that week about it, right? I don't have to be a steward. A steward is responsible. I don't necessarily need an organized time to be responsible, it's my responsibility to be a steward. And if we're going to be faithful, we have to be stewards of that word, of that gospel. So all those things he talks about, you have to take an account. You have to be a minister. You aren't exempt. You have to be an oarsman. And you have to be responsible for it. To be a steward, to be an oarsman, you have to be faithful. It's required. Right? Verse 2, moreover, is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. God expects faithfulness from us. So... Let's be a little bit more practical. All this is good. And probably anyone here that's been in church a amount of time is like, yeah, that's great. I agree. We need to be faithful. I need to do better at being faithful. Okay, so how, how, how do we, what do we do? How do we do that? Where do we make that a thing? So look at your life. How does the way you're living affect your rowing? If you're living for you, I mean, the worst case scenario, you're just not rowing at all. Or you're rowing backwards. Right, So the way you live your life, the things you watch on TV, the, the music you listen to, the people you hang around, the words that come out of your mouth, the language you use, the thought life that you have that nobody else knows, how does it affect your faithfulness in rowing? How are, how are you managing and stewarding the gospel? And is your life faithful to that purpose? That's what God expects us. It's required of us. So your life lived on earth here, being faithful requires some things we have to do. There's some things we should be faithful to. So I've used this before. I love visual aids. It makes everyone wake up, right? It's like, oh, it's like we're starting brand new. It's like, it's like this is a brand new sermon. We could go 45 more minutes and everyone would be like, oh, that's fine because we just started. So you ready? They're like, I'm not ready for that, but I guess we're ready. So I've used this before and I've decided to give it a name and I changed it a little bit. This is my rope of eternity. Rope of eternity. I, th I thought that was a really good name. Um, but this is my rope of eternity. I've used this before. So this is the rope 
of eternity. I'll put it up here for now. And this rope is really long. And what I've equated to before, and I'm going to do this again, is that this red portion of the rope, this is, let's just say you live to be 100 years old. That's 100 years. That's your life on earth. 100 years right here, right? It's short. It's not really long at all. I think it's about a foot. I measured it's approximately 12 inches. But this is 100 years of your life here on this earth. So everything you do, every word you say, every night you sleep, every meal you eat, every friend you have, every child you have, every grandchild you have, every relationship that you have, every moment you spend reading your Bible, every moment you spend on this earth is contained within this amount of space. And if you take the Bible's account of our, our life, it's like a vapor, right? The Bible says it's like a vapor. It's like when you're making macaroni and cheese, right? And that water finally starts to boil, right? You're like, man, this is taking forever to boil. I just want some macaroni and cheese right now. And you could do the microwavable one, but it's not as good. So you do it the right way. You put it on the stove and you turn the heat up and then it starts to boil and you see the vapors coming up. That, the, the, you see it for a second, right? And then it's gone. That's what the Bible equates our life to on this earth, a vapor. Because compared to everything else, that's all life is. That's all it lasts. So this is 100 years of our life. Okay, that's, that's this on this earth, which means the rest of this represents all of eternity, right? So, I mean, I, that, this, is, this is visually compelling, but it needs a little bit more, don't you think? This is it's like, okay, that's really great, but let's do something with it, okay? So I need some help. I asked somebody to help me, and they backed out on me in the last minute. So, Tim, come up here and help me. All right, Tim, so here's the end of eternity, Pick that part up. Just walk down that way. If you have to go out the door, go out the door. Just keep walking until we're tight. Without knots. There we go. Let's not take... Oh, we do have a knot. That's not good. We got to get rid of the knot. No knots. Let's try again. You stay there. I'll, I'll get rid of the knot. Should have prepared, huh? Make sure there are no knots in the rope of eternity. Because the rope of eternity does not have knots. You guys like the name? It's grown on you a little bit. The rope of eternity. <laughs> Sounds like it has lore. The rope of eternity. There we go. Okay, Tim, keep walking. Rope of eternity. There we go. That's about as tight as we get. Let's pull it tight. Can you make it taut? Okay. So every black strip, if you can see that, I'm going to pull him. No, stay there. Don't move. You stay. Every black strip is a foot. So let's equate that to 100 years. Every black strip is 100 years. So you start off with your 100 years here with your red life, right? That's your 100 years. And then in 100 years, this is where you'll be. So think of someone that died in 1922. They're here right now in eternity, right? It's been 100 years since they passed away. They're right here. And someone that died in 1822, ooh, that was a long time ago. It was like cowboy days, right? Cowboys. Um, They've been dead 200 years. This is where they're at. Now we go back to 1722. Now we're talking like pre-George Washington. Like this is pre-America. These are people that, you know, there, we, I mean, that goes, predates our country's history, 1722. That's where they're at. They've died 300 years ago. Here you are in red. Here's them. I mean, that's not that far, but that's 300 years. Now go all the way to Tim. I counted. There's 25 there are 2,500 years 
from me. Keep it tight, Tim. Pull it. There we go. <laughs> they got to see. If it's on the ground, you can't see. 2,500 years, which means whoever died 2,500 years ago, that was before the 2000s, that was before year one. Way back there, they died. Way over there. This is where you are. That's where they are. And we still haven't reached the end of eternity. Why? Because eternity never ends. But to put in perspective, someone that died before America was a country is only this far away from you. They've just begun eternity. Just started. Even 2,500 years, they just started. They're barely 1% into 2,500 years after 300. But everything in our life right here is everything. There you go. It's pulling on it. This is everything to us. Our hundred years is all that matters. I live for today. I live for my pleasure now. I live for what I want to do today. I'll get to the Christian stuff. I'll get to the God stuff when I get older, when I become 40, and when I have responsibilities, then I'll do it. But as a kid, I'll just do whatever I want because that's what matters to us because we don't have the right perspective. A faith man understands that this is such a small portion of everything. You can come back to him. He's like, oh, my arms, my arms are getting tired. So it's great. Just uh, put the edge, the edge of the rope of eternity over here on the banister there. And I'll bring this this way. So if that's our perspective, right? I'm going to pull this up. Otherwise Joseph's going to be playing with the rope. I can see he's like, the rope of eternity? <laughs> Let me touch it. No, no, don't touch my rope of eternity. So when you have the right perspective on life for faithfulness, faithfulness is an long game thing. It's a perspective of the future. It's an understanding of God's, kind of God's view on time. And this even doesn't do it justice. And really, if you think too hard about it, it breaks your brain because our brains are finite. But it kind of gives us a view of how God views time. And then we wonder why we're so bent out of shape over our life and God's like it's fine it's okay I know what's going to happen and he knows what's going to happen at the other end of the rope eternity too he's already been there he sees and we know how everything ends here on this earth everything that's spent time on this earth according to revelation ends and guess what he, he's the victor which means we are the victors it all comes together for good but it's a responsibility for us to live our life in that red portion of time I'm going to bring that over here because you can't even see it. It's your responsibility, yeah, it's going to be too heavy, in that red portion to live your life for him. That's what matters, to be faithful, to honor him, to live your life for him because you understand that portion of your life is so small compared to everything else, but what you do here affects your life there, affects your life forever affects what you can what you're able to to offer back to the lord we're we're rewarded for our life here on this earth or not depending on how life is lived we are expected to live faithful lives and the bible says who can find that person implying that maybe it's difficult to find a faithful man because our finite perspective is solely here and even the best of us sometimes struggle and think of only the red portion of our life so what are some things we need to be faithful to? A couple things. Faithful, we need to be faithful to God and his word. 
That's where it has to start. And so once, once you're saved, if, and that's where it has to begin, without salvation, your eternity looks like this, but it's in a different place, right? Eternity of, of people that have accepted Christ as their Savior, these years, these hundreds and hundreds of years are spent with Jesus in heaven. Spent with all those that have accepted Christ as their Savior before, spent in joy and peace in the way God meant for it to be when he created earth here. Perfect, sinless, no evil, no crying, no sadness, no, no, no nothing bad. That's the way it's meant to be. But for those that reject Christ's offer of salvation, their eternity in years is the same. It's just spent away from God and away from everyone, alone, and then on top of it, in fire, in darkness, in pain, in torture, gnashing of teeth like the type of pain that just you you, there's nothing that compares to it and that's not even the worst part the worst part of it is you're alone and god is nowhere and will never be with you those are the options so the years are the same they're just spent in different places and so as salvation is where it begins being faithful to what jesus did for us he came to this earth lived a perfect sinless life and died on the cross to pay the penalty for that sin that has to be paid for. He paid it so we don't have to. So we don't have to spend eternity to hell in hell to pay for that sin. He took care of it. And accepting that gift means you take his payment and you don't have to pay it and you get to live in heaven for, forever with him. That then starts your life of honoring him, of living faithful to him, to his word. Our purpose on this earth is to glorify and honor him. It's not to get a new house. It's not to move up in your job. It's not to drive a nice car. It's not to have nice clothes. Those are all fine things. It's not to rear your kids. It's not to make sure they're good people, right? Those, those are byproducts of living and honoring God. You live your life. The re- and I like Brother Jeremy has said this numerous times. You know, I just, during the week, I just live my life so I can go to church next. And I, I love that perspective and I love that thought process the weekend's not a weekend. It's, we get to go to church on Sunday, and then I have to go to work tomorrow, and then I just can't wait till I get to come back to church on Wednesday. And then I have to go home and do all these other things. Then I get to come back to church on Sunday again. Like, I love that perspective. And, I, and, then, and if you have that perspective, that, that just means every time something's going on here, you want to be here. That means no matter what's going on, you just want to be here because you're my people Right, and we serve the same God together. We're rowing. We're oaring. That's you know that should the title that oaring, oaring for Jesus. Um, We're rowing that same boat together, right? And we're working together, and that's the goal. That's that's what we're here for. We're here to honor and glorify Him and further His gospel with how we live our life. Living for ourselves that doesn't that doesn't equate to faithfulness. It doesn't mesh. Prideful living, selfless, selfish living, sowing my wild oats. Doing what I want to do, it doesn't mesh with faithfulness. And you can't, you can't sugarcoat it. You can't be like, well, I just haven't grown spiritually enough. I haven't got to that point where I'm, you know, spiritually mature. No, you're just disobedient. There's no way to sugarcoat it. it living a life for yourself and being prideful and doing what I want to do, absent of what God wants me to do, not even considering or caring what he wants me to do, is just disobedience and sin. And there's no way around it. It's not faithful. It's unfaithfulness. So if you're living your life for you or that's your plan when you're out of the house and no more mom and dad, I'm just going to do what I want to do, you're just planning to sin. You're planning to be disobedient and to live the life you want to live. And you know what? Eternity will prove that out. Eternity in 100 years, living your own life, 
What a waste of time. After what God did for us, what a waste of time. Living opposite of his word doesn't look like faithfulness to me. It looks like unfaithfulness. How brazen of us to ignore what scripture blatantly says in order to justify our, our life. How brazen. How, how just bold are we to justify our life and our choices after what scripture just very plainly says about faithfulness and about honoring him. We're, we're pretty rebellious as a human race. We're pretty in your face. And it's scary and unnecessary and a waste of time for his people, for Christians, for born and again, saved, bought by Jesus' blood and sacrifice to shake their fists in his face and say, I'll do what I want to do based on the way we live. You're required to be faithful to God and his word. Second, your life here on this earth, live faithfully, is to be faithful to your church. Jesus gave his life for the church, did he not? He, he died to save the church. It's his people. It's important to him. The church is important to Jesus because it's made up of his children. Right? right? This, this, this organization, right? Not this building. It doesn't matter where we are, but this group of people and this goal-oriented group that we have and the, the mission that we have as his people is important to him because of what he did for us. And we are required to be faithful. As stewards, we're required to be faithful. That means we're responsible for how this church progresses because we are part of it. So if you're not... I'm just going to go with it, okay? If you're not oaring with all of us, if we're not oaring together... You're, you're not being faithful. Just straight up, we're not. If you haven't found a place to oar, if you haven't gotten involved in oaring somewhere, you know, you hear a preacher up here just saying, please help, we need help in this area, we need help in this area. You don't have to preach. Not everyone has to, we can't have everyone preach, right? That's, again, chaos, right? Not everyone should, not everyone wants to. I get that, and not, you know, we don't need that, but we need, everyone needs to be somewhere. There's a place for everyone to oar together, you need to get on board. You need to get into it. You, if you haven't joined, you've been coming for a long time, this seems like a place that you belong, you live here, what are you waiting for? It's a membership thing. It's, it's joining together because then you're part. You need to be faithful to your church, not because Eastside Baptist Church is this the best thing in the world. No, guess what? We're full of imperfect people. We're full of sinners that make mistakes. You know, I mean, I'm not the best husband all the time, right? Sometimes I'm a rotten husband. Sometimes I'm the selfish. But that, does that mean that I should, well, then I just better back up or no one better join this church because they got people that are bad husbands in there. No, we need to get on board. You need to be faithful to your church. You need to be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. That's why it's important to be on time. That's why it's important to be, if you're in a ministry, be there. Since things happen. You get sick, tires blow out, you know, you get pulled over because you're doing almost 70 miles an hour down you know, the road that's 45. It happens, right, Jonah? Sometimes it happens. I'm not saying it's happened to you. I'm just saying it's possible. It could happen. And you might be late. You might miss something. You might not be able to make it. Life happens. But if you're fine and you can be there, you're just like, eh, I can't get there in time. Or I didn't start to get ready early enough. It seems simple. It seems small. But you're here on purpose. You've committed yourself to something. Be there on time. Be where you're supposed to be. First um, Corinthians one ten says, "Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, 
that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. It's, it's a group, it's a unit, it's a cohesion. If we want to further God's word and be stewards of the gospel, it requires us to or together. It requires you to be here. If you're late for your oarship, then, I mean, we go went without oaring for a little bit. And that hurts everyone. That affects everybody. You would, if you were late to work every day, how would that go? If, if the same day, if every Thursday, you were just 15 minutes late, and you didn't like, it was just, that was just the way it was. Your boss just has to deal with it? Is that how it goes at, in the workforce? No, it doesn't go that way in the workforce. You get a talking to. Now, unfortunately, it's voluntary here. You're probably not going to get a talking to by anybody, but that's between you and God. Uh, it's, a little, it's a little bit higher of a pecking order there than, than my boss, right? It's important to be on time. So be where you're supposed to be. It's important for you to be here. Be faithful to your local church. And I just took one little timely thing. You can take a lot of things when it comes to faithfulness of the church, but I don't think you want to be here until like 1 o'clock. Well, the pastor's not here, and so, I mean, maybe we should. No? Okay. You know, it's, half of us are awake, half of us are not. It's okay. Be where you're supposed to be. Just plain and simple. Be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. Be faithful to your church. Uh, next, be faithful to your family. Now, I teach a couples class, and so... I mean, I don't know, the, the older I get, the more, and I said this in class the last few weeks, the, I un, the more I understand marriage. <laughs> the older I get, the more I understand marriage and its importance. Um, it's an institution that God put in place, right? He ordained it, a man and a woman, together forever, period, right? There's, there's no, no commas, there's no add-ons, it's, that's the way it is, that's the way God instituted it, um, and it's vital, and I told our class this week and last week that, you know, and young people, singles, this, it's not my revelation, but it's, it's, it's important. Who you marry, the person you choose to marry, is, I think, one of the biggest indicators and the biggest effectors of who you are and who you become as a person. Like the person you marry, the person that you, if you're following God's blueprint and you say, when we get married, we're married forever, that doesn't end until we're dead. That person that you've chosen to become one flesh with, as the Bible says, is the biggest influence in who you are as a person. Because if you have the rights, if you are the right spouse, you influence your spouse to be the right kind of spouse. We've all seen marriages. You've been around a long enough time. You've all seen marriages where one spouse isn't who what they're supposed to be and it, how contentious that relationship can be and how damaging that relationship can be and toxic that relationship can be. And it affects you as a person. I told her class again, to this December will be my wife's and I 20th year anniversary. So we'll be married 20 years. I feel like that 20-year mark kind of gives you some, like it's almost longer married than not. Like I'm a year or two away from that. And it kind of gives, not that I'm smart or figured anything out, but just, it, it has changed me. Being married to my wife has changed who I am. It has made me who I am. And that's, in this case, it's a good thing, right? My wife is, is awesome. Lisa's clearly chosen for me because she's probably the one that can handle my rope of eternity. You think this is the first time she heard this? Oh, no, no. She knows my rope of eternity. I had other names. I had other things of her names. And she's like, Maybe just stick with this. Maybe call it this. And I was like, okay, that's a good idea. And it sounds better. 
but she has made me a better person. Now, what if she were a, a rotten wife? What if she didn't care about the Lord? What if she decided that she wanted to live for herself and she wanted to go build this empire of cooking books that had nothing to do with the Lord, nothing to do with God, just for her and making money? You think I would be here? You think I'd be preaching? Probably not. Because if she had that drive and desire and that's all that mattered to her was I'm going to do this thing for me, either it's going to cause contention and we're going to have a rough marriage or one of us gives in and we end up here or I end up touring, touring the country with my cookbook author of a wife, which doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> but it would, be, it would be different. My life would be different. I would be a different person. Your spouse changes who you are. And it could be good and it could be bad. So if you're not married, you have the prospect, you want to get married, it's a future for you, it's something that the Lord blesses you with, man, it's vital that you choose the person God wants for you. Like life-altering vital. Now once you make that choice, that's the choice. You can't change it, right? You commit to, cha- to keep it. And again, I'm kind of off my notes, but you know, it's, it's, it's a passion. And as I get older, it's a passion more and more for me because I know the parents, the, the, the marriages that are strong, where the spouses are who they're supposed to be, they're faithful to each other. And I don't just mean you know, infidelity and in that. I just mean they're faithful. They are faithful to, to fulfill the role that God designed for them to have. Right? God has a design and a role for a wife. God has a design and a role for a husband. And when you're faithful to the Lord in fulfilling your role for your marriage, you rear kids that also follow God and do what God has supposed tells them to do because they see mom and dad do it. So marriages and good marriages, successful, strong marriages that follow God's blueprints are maybe the most important thing for our lives on this earth. I mean, not to overstate it and kind of seem, I don't know the word, but ors. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's a big deal. Like, it affects kids' futures. It affects kids' perspective on life. It affects kids' perspective on what marriage should be and thereby what God is and who God is. Marriage and that relationship is paramount. It is so vitally important to fulfill your role as a husband, to fulfill your role as a wife. It's, it's, it's one of the most important things you can do to fulfill your role and, and be faithful to the Lord and faithful to the relationship that he established because it domino affects everything else. It domino affects everything. And children, kids, those of you that are still in your mom and dad's house, being faithfulness, and you're like, well, I'm not married. Okay, that's good. I come to church because I'm in the car and I end up here. Um, or I drive myself too fast down the road. Um, but I'm there. I'm at church. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm being faithful. For you as, as, as a person that's still at home, you need as to be faithful is to, to learn to follow, right? As a young person, your responsibility to be faithful, to, to make the time in red valuable. I mean, if you go to youth, I mean, you're, you know, your teenage years are probably the tape at the end of the red. If this is 100 years, that's your teenage years. That's your life before you move out of the house. You need to take that time and learn how to follow Learn how to obey. Learn how to trust God. Learn how to have a relationship with your parents' God. Not because he's your parents' God, but because he's yours. Yeah. 
being faithful as a teenager is, is obeying because God says to obey. And we talked about this in, in class, not for the children, but we talked about this for our marriages. But when we treat our spouse the way we're supposed to, it's not because our spouse is the best, it's because God has told us to. God tells us as husbands to love our wives like Christ loved the church. So you're, you're supposed to do it because that's what Christ did. And, and wives, he tells you to submit to your husbands and respect your husbands because as you're doing it unto the Lord. Children, you're to obey your parents, not because your parents are perfect, not because they always are right. Guess what? They're going to make mistakes, but your job is not to judge their mistakes, right? Your job is to obey. And you're not obeying because of your parents. You're obeying because really you're not obeying them. You're obeying him. So when you disobey your parents or you've got your reasons why you can't do it right now or you don't want to do it right now or this is a better reason or this is a better path or this is a better idea, really you're telling God, nah, I'm busy. I've got better ideas and better plans and better thoughts than you do, Lord. I'll just do my thing. It's not a simple nah or rebellion in the heart. It's, it's just defiance to God. And again, unfaithful. That's not faithful. That is unfaithfulness. We are required to be faithful. Learn to follow God as you humbly follow your parents. The parents that God gave you. You realize you didn't have a choice in that. And guess what? Neither did they. Your parents did not have a choice in who you were. You were who you were. You're who God made you. And they didn't be like, uh, could I get a different one? This one seems ornery. He's not a good orer. Could I get a different one? No, it doesn't work. God designed it to be the way it is. They didn't get to choose you. You didn't get to choose them. God put you there on purpose. God gave you the parents you have intentionally so that you could be the Christian that you're supposed to be. So you can grow up and be the husband, be the wife, be the orer that you're supposed to be in your church. That's the goal, to further his kingdom, to to have your family, to teach them, to tell others, to grow, to just multiply. That's the goal. So as I wrap it up here, faithfulness, in your life really comes down to your view and your opinion of God. So whether you're faithful or not really comes down to how, what you think of God, what you think he is, who you think he is. And here's spoiler alert, but regardless of who you think or what you think about who he is, it doesn't change who he is. You could think it's not that important. You could think he is not that important. You could think he's not even real. Guess what? That doesn't change the fact that he is. I could say that this microphone won't produce sound, but if it gets turned on, it does. It doesn't matter what I do, right? It is what it is. So whether I believe God is real, whether I believe God is true, whether I believe God is, God's ways are the best ways, doesn't change the fact that they are. It's just how quickly we decide to get on board and follow and be faithful to follow him and obey him determines how quickly that happiness comes, that joy comes, the fulfillment comes. So as you live your everyday life, right, the, the day is between church. When you live your life, what's, how, what's your faithfulness to him? How strong is your faithfulness to him? Is it even the consideration? Is your faithfulness to him just like, oh yeah, I'm in church, I better, better, I better pretend like I'm doing right. But when I live my life, it's more about me. Not even in a bad way, like a sinful, I'm just going to go rob stores and speed and, you know, do all these bad things. No, but just living for my pleasure, my happiness, living for me, what I want. Not really even considering what God wants. Check your life. 
Take inventory. Check your heart. Be honest with yourself. Living the way where you just live for yourself, it, it, produces, it produces a life that is empty. It produces, a, at the end of 100 years, with thousands and thousands and thousands to go with having done nothing for him, but spending forever with him, but not living this short amount of time for him. But now, in all eternity, in heaven with him, you can't live for yourself anymore. You can't do the things that please your sin and please your flesh. Now, all you want is his glory. Because you'll have a perfect body. All the sin will be gone and you'll realize, man, what if I would have? Because that's all you want to do now. You'll get to eternity and all you want to do is glorify him and honor him. And you just want to sing to him as loud as you can with smiles on your face and glorify him forever and you'll never get tired of it that's all your heart will want but you'll remember the time here where that's not what you wanted and you'll say what a waste of my beginning what a waste of my beginning so faithfulness living a faithful life produces one that views God for who he really is and you do it because because you're living for him he's the one you're trying to please with your life here on this earth because you realize what eternity is So you want to please him. You actively seek for ways to be faithful and live for him. Stand with me if you would. With every head bowed, every eyes closed. We're going to take some time to have an invitation. Uh, Invitation time is for, for a time for you to take stock, to take inventory, to consider, to think on, the things in your heart, considering the, the, the scripture and the truth that was presented today. Not because of the person that presented it, but because of the truth that it is. And for those that haven't accepted Christ as a Savior, like I told, talked about at the very beginning, invitation is a great time to come and make that decision, to come and accept Christ's gift for you, to change your destination in eternity. We're all going somewhere. We all will exist forever somewhere. It's just we get to decide, based on what Christ has done for us, to accept that gift and spend eternity with him or reject it and spend eternity in hell. At some point, we all face that choice. And then regardless of how we decide to make that choice, at some point, we all have a destination. So Christian, how faithful is your life? How, what's your perspective on the small vapor time you spend here and how do you spend it? Is it spent being faithful to him? Can you improve in some areas, become more faithful, spend more time living for him instead of ourselves? As the Lord leads during this time, you do business with We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.